listening to the Might See TV podcast. I'm your host, Brian Finley, and each episode, a different guest will join me to discuss their favorite TV show. This is the podcast where we talk about your favorite TV programs over the last 40 or so years. So have a listen as our guest selects their favorite TV series and we discuss one of their favorite episodes from that series. This week, we talk to Mike Gertz and his favorite TV series of all time, The West Wing. Hi there, and welcome to the Might CV, Might See TV podcast. Uh, this is Brian Finley, your host, and today we have a very special guest host with us, uh, one of my good friends and uh, improv comedian around Chicago as well. At one time, that, that, still, w- I don't know. Occasionally, yeah. certainly once upon a time. That's right for sure. Uh, we have Mr. Michael Gertz. Do you say every guest is a special guest? I do. You haven't once said yeah. I have a run of the mill normal guest with me. It's I. It's gonna be pretty sad when the first person, <laughs> like, hopefully they don't listen when I have them on, and they'll be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I'm a guest." Uh, <laughs> right. So we'll check that out. Uh, Mike is here today talking about one of his very favorite television shows. Uh, it's a show that kicked off in 1999, running on NBC. I believe it ran for seven seasons. That's is that correct. right? That's correct. Uh, and if you are you able to guess the show out there? Uh, if not, we're going to tell you. Uh, it is The West Wing. Uh, created by Aaron Sorkin. When you approached me about this concept for a podcast, it was easy for me to pick the show. It was torture for me to pick the episode. Because um, I love The West Wing, and there were just so many possible ways to go at it. Every time I thought I'd settle on an episode, I thought to myself, well, but but what about this one? It's yep. um, The series is serialized so there are um but there are also many episodes particularly early in the series that stand on their own um and so i thought well maybe i should pick something like that because it would be a better conversation um but anyway there was one episode i just kept coming back to in my mind so that's what i'm here to talk about today well that is great yeah we are actually we can just uh well i'll just tell people right now we're talking about the episode called 25 uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. What I'd love to know about yourself, Mike, is when you actually started watching The West Wing, how did you even fall into watching this? Was it Were you just home on Wednesday nights? So I was in college. So I, I want to start um, a little bit earlier than that. So it was my um, uh, senior year of high school, or maybe it was my junior year of high school, um, when I encountered Aaron Sorkin's first television show, Sports Night, um, which was a, a great series, lasted two seasons, um, about a behind-the-scenes-of-a-sports-center-style TV show. And uh, unlike anything that I'd seen on TV before, sort of a dramedy. And um, Sports Night is one of the biggest reasons I ended up going to Syracuse University, um, because I... Always wanted to be a sports center anchor. I encountered this show that gave a very romanticized view of what that job might be like. Um, Syracuse's Sports Center U, um, producing a whole lot of famous anchors. And on top of all that, I found out this writer that I'd never heard of, Aaron Sorkin, went to Syracuse himself. So you picked Syracuse because Aaron Sorkin had gone there? I picked like one of the reasons. One of the reasons, yeah, yeah. And this show that he'd created, which I so I, I went I went there to get into sports broadcasting and um, this writer whose dialogue I was just completely falling in love with, um, went there as well. And I said, Well, this is a place that I'll have to check out. And I visited the campus and loved it and and still do. Uh, so that's how I ended up um, choosing Syracuse. I ended up in the drama program there, which uh, Aaron Sorkin himself uh, attended and was part of. We had some of the same professors many, many years apart. Um, And uh, it was uh, in Syracuse when I started watching The West Wing. Um, So I I picked it up a little bit late. Um, My roommate and still good friend, Colin Eulen, um, he, I, I joke that he created Netflix and uh, the joke there is he was he's a computer engineer and he created uh, 
he, that, that's your dog making Yeah, noise. they just decided to start uh, running around. <laughs> you know, let's, let's I'm going to pause this. I'm okay. going to take their leashes off. Okay. We've gotten the dogs to stop running around. For now. At least we've taken off their collars so they can't <laughs> make noise anymore. Um, so, what was I saying? That Oh, yeah, my roommate, so my roommate, Colin, um, he created a... Um, computer built a computer that sat underneath our television that plugged into the television that allowed him to stream the uh, I think BitTorrents that he was downloading from whatever country he was downloading them from and we would binge watch the first couple seasons of The West Wing on the TV in our living room which in 2000 Two in 2003 was magical. <laughs> and unheard of. Yeah, yeah, so... It was just beginning. It was just beginning, but I, it was, I, I picked it up a whole... Yeah, yeah totally. Um, it, the, the second season of Sports Night and the first season of The West Wing overlapped, um, but I wasn't watching The West Wing yeah. uh, at, at that point. So I did get to quickly catch up on The West Wing like we all do now with television yeah. shows all the time. Uh, Colin named the computer Fuzzy, because he was uh, always intended to line it with shag carpeting. Yeah. But he never got around to it. So it was just this, like, plywood around the computer. But it was it was and will forever be named Fuzzy. Well, good to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when it came to Sports Night, that ran two seasons and then was done. Right? Yeah. No one... No one watched it. <laughs> it was not. It was like highly acclaimed. That's right. It was cr- uh, a cr- critically acclaimed, but uh, not commercially successful. Uh, one of the not, not an original thought. Lots of people would say this about Sports Night. I think it was, it was, it was a half. It was a half hour show. It was marketed as a comedy, and kind of the whole time it begged to be. Uh, it begged to be an hour, and yeah. it was always a little, a little more. It, w- it was one of the first kind of dramedies. Yeah. It always begged to be a little more serious. I, I think it's a great series in its own right, and I think a lot of um, Sorkin fans like me think of it as a, a a great series in its own right, but a, a worthy ramp up to his magnum opus that yes. was The West Wing. <laughs> uh, this was a time too, I, I think, when considering this was sports night was a half hour show not a lot of shows went without a laugh track that were 30 minutes i can name you know doogie hauser did not have a laugh track oh it's a, i wouldn't uh, have remembered that doogie hauser was only a half hour long yeah only a <laughs> half hour and no laugh track so sports night early did have a laugh track the uh, first few episodes yes yes and when you watch it um, when you watch it now i'm not sure it did it, they cut it out um, they yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. If you streamed it now on my okay. DVD set, they did not cut it out, and in uh, large chunks of the first season, it's jarring because it's a series that's begging not to have one. Yeah. But I guess early on they were told they they had to because it was part of ABC's comedy lineup. Right. And as the first season went on, they just started using it less and less and less, which was almost even more jarring because sometimes you'd be 15 minutes into an episode and you'd hear laughter for the first time. <laughs> and you think, who's that? And people at home were like, well, good thing I didn't laugh before this. <laughs> now I know that I now, now I understand where the funny is. It was a big buildup is and, what it was. And so by the uh, by the second season, I believe, uh, they, they no longer were required to put the laugh track in. It was removed completely. That's interesting. Uh, now you went to Syracuse and, you know, Sorkin went there. You even had some teachers or professors that had taught him that also taught you years apart. Yes. Were you finding yourself name dropping, uh, consistently like to just try and get in with him? Dropping his name? Uh, Drop, getting to hear more about him from your professors Uh, or were they always talking about? Uh, 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 Jerry Clark, Professor Jerry Clark would... Uh, talk about him, particularly when she was teaching us um, uh, Socrates and <laughs> the practical poets, which um, which uh, Sorkin became quite an apostle of. Um, and in fact, the, he, I hear him in interviews to this day um, repeating things that Jerry would repeat to us in acting class. He talks about when, when he writes, um, the two most important things to him are intention and obstacle. What does the character want, and what's the thing that's getting in the way? That was uh, straight out of straight out of uh, Aristotle. I said Socrates before; people would be so upset with me. Uh, straight out of Aristotle, not Socrates. I think I think most people will be over their head <laughs> giving 
You're giving our listener a lot of credit. Okay, great. Well, please go back and change it. I don't want to be the the asshole who said Socrates when he meant Aristotle. This Um, is true. um, Yeah, intention versus obstacle. Um, Straight out of the poetics, um, straight out of Jerry Clark's drama class, and um, straight out of Sorkin's mouth and a lot of his interviews as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, okay, so that's... uh, that's so you kind of binge watched it before binge watching was taking place, yeah. and so then it was suddenly uh, this was like after two se- or one season had aired. Yeah, I, I, I started in '99, so that would have been you were still in high school, right? So you were a little later, but yeah. then once you knew it was on. Were you like every week tuning in? We we we, we binged. I think Colin was rewatching a lot of it, but I binged to to catch up. And then yes, somewhere I, I'm I'm guessing it was it in the third season we caught up and yeah. it became it became appointment viewing. You know, it's hard for me to remember the specifics of the first time because the, the, it's a show I go back to over and over and over again. Like, I generally remember <laughs> remember that time period where the, the West Wing was such a big part of it um, for, for me and my friends. But, um, yeah, th- this episode and really any episode from the first four seasons of the West Wing, I've, I've watched many, many times. Right, and Sorkin leaves? Does he leave the program after four seasons? Yeah, it's part of the reason why I chose this episode. So um, uh, 25 is the uh, season finale of season four, right. and it's the it's the last episode that Aaron Sorkin wrote, and his last episode as a showrunner. Yeah. Um, so in, in many ways, uh, f- for me, it was my last episode too. Um, I picked it up in season five, uh, uh, watched a few of the season five episodes, and um, you were done. Didn't like it anymore. Minimal walking and talking. <laughs> there, there. It was. Um, d- about the same amount of walking and a, the talking was a, a lot left a lot to be desired um, okay. early on in that fifth season. At least was my recollection. Yeah. Um, so I I stopped and I refused to watch for many you're, many you're, years. But have you watched it all now? I have since watched it all. Yes. Everything. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So my my working knowledge of seasons five through seven is uh, very low because I watched it one time. But at least you've watched it. Does it? So it doesn't. Reach that level. Oh, so, according okay. to you. so yeah, one guy's opinion um, that the the this early run of season five um, after Sorkin and the uh, director Tommy Shalami had left really really struggled, and uh, later I do think the show started to find itself again. By the time that um, the West Wing was going off the air and late in season seven, I remember that's when I picked it back up. Um, at that point, I was in grad school, and I kind of wanted to watch the run out. Yeah. And just picked it back up for the last four episodes or so. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, "This is, this is a, this seems like a very good show. That's different than the show that I was once in love with." Got it. That that happens. I think I I think there's many shows even now that maybe I watched the first two seasons of, mm-hmm. and if if I was like, "Oh, it's ending," I check in on the last episode or two and like be like what happened like what's going on what happened to these characters so i think that that makes absolute perfect sense especially with a sitcom i could do that it's harder with a drama um because i mean as you mentioned to me with me watching this i my experience is i've watched the first 15 episodes probably and I and I'm not the biggest fan of this show based on those 15 episodes. I sometimes have issues with with shows that keep uh, a drama that feels like very much uh, like one story is like in the episode, mm-hmm. and I want that like continuous plot line that that's through story, which does exist. But I want it like I I guess I want more soap opera, mm-hmm. which is not Sorkin. Well, until I watched this episode, yeah, you probably found yourself saying, "How did we get here?" I and was like, preceded it. Did not ex- well. No, I watched the episode before. Oh, okay, I watched episode twenty-four because you said, "No, you need to know what's going on." So I watched commencement, mm-hmm. and I did know what was going on. Um, and even from those first fifteen episodes, I know that. Elizabeth Moss is getting together with Dulé Hill back then. Or is it Duel? Uh, it's Dulé. Dulé, okay. Uh, so I know that they were getting together 
Um, now they're not together at this point. And, and so we're, th- that's a fun thing to talk about. So like th- worth noting, yeah, they, they, they dated early in season one. I don't, I don't know exactly. I don't recall how much that bled into season two, but it went away for a long time. A big, big chunk of series where Elizabeth Moss just didn't, didn't appear in the show. Yeah. And then it was, uh, somewhere late in season four, uh, that that they reintroduced her, and the show never. This is the, the part of the something that this show does that I love. They there was never a big breakup between these two. It was never explained to us. It's just that it's the White House, so we saw them dealing with other things, and then at some point after a long time, Dash were reintroduced and the dynamic is completely changed. And you're left as a viewer to fill in the blanks and say, oh, okay, clearly they clearly they separated and clearly they still have feelings for each other. Yeah, that just would have driven me crazy. <laughs> because I think in watching those first 15 episodes a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, finally, like, a plot line I was interested in. And then I wouldn't have found out about it for so long. And I re- it wasn't, like, why I was tuning in, but mm-hmm. I might have been curious. And I guess... I guess that's the way Mad Men sometimes did it, too, where you wouldn't see, like, what's going on with some character, and then it's five episodes later, and you're randomly seeing them again. Yeah. I do think I I badly want you to watch season two of The West Wing, because season one has has far more of those standalone episodes. They're almost all... Um, at many civic lessons in their own right. Yes, and it bugs the heck out. <laughs> well, I loved it. Wait, and that's in season one. one. Yes. yes, and that's where I'm driven crazy. So if you want more... It feels too moral. Like, uh, oh, this is the moral of the episode. And that is where I was so shocked. I'm sorry to interrupt, <laughs> but I have to say that I was watching Commencement... And he's, the president's, like, talking about, oh, how he's going to give a speech at this graduation ceremony. And I was like, great, it's leading up to Martin (laughs) Sheen, President Bartlett, giving his speech and how his daughter, like, shouldn't leave the country. And that would be, like, the moral of whatever he's going for or how, like, you know, we, he loves his daughter. That would have been very season one. It would have been. And I was like, well, that's what it's going to. It's called commencement. That's what it's going to lead up to. I was shocked, uh, but going back to where you were going. Yeah, yeah. The uh, oh yeah, you gotta. You know, I was I was nervous about this conversation because I don't I don't often know how to talk to people who don't like the West Wing. <laughs> like it just like doesn't. I don't. <laughs> it just doesn't, it. just doesn't compute mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. in my head. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't hate it by any means. I just have had trouble staying focused on it. I another so when just when the episode was starting. There are a lot of really big names that are not even major parts. Like, I didn't realize Mary Louise Parker would be in it. She might have... She was in this one, too. She was, yeah. Um, She was in both. We end up seeing John Goodman, which was very much a surprise to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's some other people, too. Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs. Yep. Did not expect that Syracuse Syracuse alum, Tay Diggs. Oh. So that's how he got... No, but that is... (laughs) I had no clue I would see all of these people in this episode. I was shocked. I did not see Rob Lowe. Did not realize he had already left at this point. Yes. I think to go do the Lions Den. Uh, yes. Uh, I don't know if he left to do that show or if he... Um, there were... There's a lot... You can read a lot online about Rob Lowe's... He had some uh, arguments. Spe- uh, yeah, I, th- I think... Uh, um, you know, when you... It, so you watch the very, the very, very beginning of the series... Uh, I think it was in part conceived to be a star vehicle for Rob Lowe. Uh, the first episode of The West Wing feels like feels like that's the series you're going to get. It very quickly becomes an ensemble drama, yeah. not about only the character of Sam Seaborn. Yeah, they weren't um, even going to feature the president so much. That's right. Um, and there, there's a somewhat famous story about Martin when they got Martin Sheen him signing on for just a few episodes but by the time they'd filmed I think the pilot uh, he said I want to do them all and and of, of course he ended up doing everything uh, he by the time I think Martin Sheen had done the pilot he said I want to do them all so and he ended up staying on for all seven seasons as President Bartlett yeah 
Do we need to, like, talk about what happened in this yeah, episode? Yes, no, we do. I know. We've, like, just gotten off track mm-hmm. talking about everything. So, what's crazy is I'm watching First Commencement, and it leads up to uh, the commencement, but then Elizabeth Moss, what's her name? Zoe Bartlett, the Zoe. president's youngest daughter. Uh, she gets kidnapped. Yes. Um, I was shocked. I, I guess I wasn't once I saw, like, okay, all this detail is going into her security. But I wasn't expecting it for, you know, 40 minutes or, like, 36 minutes of the episode. In those last few. Every season, every uh, of the first four seasons of The West Wing, of which I'm intimately familiar, um, every season ends with a, a pretty significant cliffhanger. There's an assassination attempt at the at the end of season one, and this is this is a season four's uh, version of that. Uh, Zoe Bartlett is kidnapped, and uh, the <laughs> we're, we're we're laughing because Brian's dogs are growling. Yeah, they're just they're just getting annoyed with this West Wing talk. Apparently, I think they're up, upset about the kidnapping of the country's youngest daughter, Zoe Bartlett. Uh, so here's a bit of um, trivia for you about the show. Um, you watched the first 15 episodes, you said, of the series. Yeah, loosely. In what I believe is the sixth episode ever in the series. I thought you were going to say the 16th. No, no, no. <laughs> I think it's the sixth. The episode is Mr. Willis of Ohio. Uh, there's a scene in the episode where uh, the president and Zoe are uh, in an argument and he essentially foreshadows this entire plot line. Um, she's upset because she's a freshman at Georgetown and she doesn't like having her security there. And uh, President Bartlett says, you know, the security's there for me, that's fine, but that's not the nightmare scenario. The nightmare scenario is you getting kidnapped. And he weaves I, this I story. I think I recall him saying that. Yeah, he weaves this weaves this story that plays out almost exactly four seasons later. Is he, you're 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 in a bathroom. Someone drugs you. It's 15 minutes before anybody realizes that you're gone. And Wait, he says that? Uh huh. So some I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, and says and now instead of instead of the uh, having a commander in chief. Uh, the country has a, a crazed father, you know, l- losing his mind, who doesn't know what to do, and he's got to get on the phone and try to negotiate with terrorists. Yeah. So all, all of this, all of this, uh, foreshadows and precedes the plot. The plot of Twenty Five. Twenty Five is uh, so named uh, because of the Twenty Fifth Amendment. Um, this episode culminates in uh, the president uh, nobly determining that uh, when it's his daughter who's in danger, he couldn't possibly get on the phone and say, I'm sorry, the United States doesn't negotiate with terrorists. So he willingly uh, invokes the 25th Amendment and hands uh, hands over the power of the presidency to a political rival. Because, see, it it gets so soap opera, you should keep watching. No, it was... I liked this episode, and I liked the one. I liked the cliffhanger. I get bored at points <laughs> when they just start throwing out the uh, I don't know political mumbo jumbo, but not like politics. It's just like they're walking and they're talking about something. I don't know what they're talking about. I, I think a lot of that is. Um, I mean, first w- one thing I enjoy about it is that sometimes it is something that I try to go get smart about. Yeah. But I think a lot of the time it's almost scene painting that it's it's yeah. it's enough of it to create the world of the show so you believe these people really are incredibly smart individuals in a very important job yeah. in the center of the government. Uh, but what I started to say was uh, he invokes the 25th Amendment and uh, doesn't um, doesn't hand down the power of the presidency to his vice president because a few episodes prior he is resigned. <laughs> In a sex scandal. Yes. So he actually has to hand it down one level further in the, um, this, what, oh, I'm forgetting the phrase, um, the speaker? Uh, well, to the speaker of the house, the succession of power, the, the, um, uh, that the, sounds the order of succession. Enough. Yeah. Um, the, oh, this is so dumb. I can't say this wrong. It's, podcast. it's okay. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll edit this part. You have to. Don't, sure. if this ends up on the internet, I'll be very embarrassed. Uh, the line of succession, uh, of course, goes president, vice president, speaker of the house. There is no vice president. Yes. So he uh, willingly hands over the power of the presidency to the speaker of the house, uh, Glenn Allen Walken, which is like such a president. It is. Uh, Sorkin's got, he does, he's great with names. Every character he's ever made has a fantastic name. Um, I've heard he's reused names. 
Uh, yeah. Between Sports Night and West Point. Well, and and actors. You mentioned um, you mentioned Rob Lowe leaving the show. the The character who replaced his position in the White House is played by Joshua Molina, who is yeah. a regular on Sports Night. Oh, okay. I recognize him from Scandal. Yes, actually, yes, which I he's didn't realize he had been in some big shows before. Joshua Molina is very good. Joshua Molina does a. Um, Monologue in the first episode of Sports Night that I've auditioned with many times. Oh, mm-hmm. that's I didn't realize you had used this for some auditions. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, I can't like I don't think there's a uh, I don't think there's a West Wing monologue that would be. Uh, well, I don't know. I'm getting old. I'm sure now. Toby has one that you could use. Toby's Toby's monologue in this episode is a major reason why I chose it <laughs> because I specifically emailed you. <laughs> Like, great, we get to hear Toby give a monologue, and right? We, and we do. Uh, in this episode, or, or specifically the episode before, uh, his uh, ex-wife gives birth to um, twins. So he's the father. Too, because he proposes to her and buys a house. Yeah. Not expe- I was not expecting this level of uh, getting into someone's personal life, too, because that is what often is my pet peeve about a show like this is I want to know more about these people's personal lives Mm -hmm. and I don't get the taste of it that I want. So I feel that one, one of the things I love about the West Wing is it, it does it so rarely that it packs such a huge punch when it does. And I'm curious to know how much you enjoy this episode because I, as a long time watcher of it, so many of these moments feel so earned to me. Um, Toby Ziegler uh, is is a curmudgeon for four seasons. He's uh, curmudgeonly and he's he's idealistic, but also but also cynical. Um, he um, and when his ex-wife is worried about what kind of father he'll be, because she says you're sad. Yeah, <laughs> you're sad. That that. That packs such a punch to a longtime viewer because you can, one, completely see how she would characterize him as that. And two, we've also seen his um, his soul over four years and his, and his noble intentions and how idealistic he is. And so when he when he confesses to Leo in this episode that it, he's, wor- he's, he's worried that he won't love his kids like a normal father does. He's worried about his own capacity yeah. to love that much. Um, what I think would be a compelling scene uh watching it cold um it is a real heartbreaker when you've when you've grown to know and love these characters so much it was i found it to be a heartbreaker not knowing the characters as much too it was i enjoyed that that plot line i thought it was really enjoyable and gave a lot of input to that character that i found so boring in the past uh toby alone in the hospital with his uh twin babies uh, looks at them and says, I didn't know the babies came with hats, um, which is something of a famous line in West Wing lore. Um, and uh, it's just, a, I, I love that monologue. When I chose this episode, when I was texting all my fellow West Wing nuts about like, what episode, what episode should I do? Um, I said, I, well, I think I could do it. I think I could do an hour just on Toby's monologue to his children. So really? Yeah. Uh, he also, he's looking at the children and then he's done like looking at the children and he just kind of tells the nurse like, okay, do whatever you want with them. <laughs> well, well, he has to spring, he has to spring back into action. That's true. Uh, you know what? I even loved the moment where he's back at the office and he has this joyous news but he kind of can't celebrate it, yeah. and he doesn't even feel comfortable telling the staff. But they're like, "Wait, what's up?" Uh, and he tells them, and it and that is how you would have to handle that. That that was a very true moment because if your coworker, I mean, even if your coworker, and it's not the president's daughter, any coworker's daughter gets kidnapped. You can't come into the office and say, hey, guys, guess what? I just had twins. Yeah. And anyone can relate to that, even if you're not working in the West Wing. Yeah, he, he sheepishly, he's like almost shameful that he, but he also needs to tell his friends. <laughs> um, it knew that he should. It's not the sort of thing that we, yeah, I agree. Great, great moment. Great scene. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, let's see, who else we've got here? Um 
There are some scenes just between, uh, and this might have been in Commencement, too, that I'm thinking of. Yeah, where uh, there's Bradley Whitford. He doesn't, he's not a huge part in this episode, mm-hmm. so he's kind of to the side. But uh, it seems that Donna yes. is, or he and Donna have this ongoing fling, but he's currently dating Mary Louise Parker, maybe? So at this point in the series, they... Uh, I, I, he's not dating Mary Louise Parker, but they they had they did for a while. Okay. Um. So she's his ex, and since their breakup, has started working in the White House as Stocker Channing's um, chief of staff. Stocker Channing playing the first lady. Rizzo. Um, yes. Rizzo. From Short, Greece. Shortly after playing Rizzo, she became. <laughs> Which, well, she was like. 35 when she played Rizzo in Greece. Something yeah. crazy. How good is Stocker Channing, too? I don't, like, oh, yes, she does have that moment where she goes into uh, into the press room, mm-hmm. and you wanted her to be able to speak, and you don't blame her, and you're kind of mad at the staff for being like, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, CJ tells her and someone else. There's a um, bit of a th- through line in this series of... Um, how these characters, because of the important job they do, the sacrifices that they make in their personal life. And you pointed out one in this one, that Toby's going back and forth between the hospital and the White House because you know the, the world is on fire. Um, you know, early in the series, we watch um, Leo McGarry's marriage fall apart in a, like a heartbreaking early yeah. scene, whereas, you know, his he says his wife says you know your job's not more important than your, mar- than your marriage and Leo says yes it is these few years while I'm doing this it is more important than my marriage and just about every character in the show we have um, uh, we, we see some sacrifice they make um, to to their personal happiness because it's it's a show at its core about about service and then Stocker Channing gives. Gives says it quite literally um, when they don't let her enter the press room and she says, I'm sorry, I've just seen other mothers do it. Some, yeah. Something that she, uh, that a normal person would do that, that she cannot because of the position of service she's decided to take on. Yeah. It makes sense in this episode and it's, it's a good call out and interesting point of Bartlett stepping down because he is like, look, I can't, I can't do this because all of my decisions are going to be made based upon getting my daughter back. I can't, I can't think rationally. Yeah. And you don't often, we don't often view the president from that perspective of having a family and other things to consider when they're making their choices. Yeah. And this brings it to the forefront. Uh, it brings some great moments. I love it when, um, when Will Bailey, Joshua Molina's character, says uh, it's a fairly stunning act of patriotism and a fairly ordinary act of fatherhood. Yeah. I just think it's a great line. It is. There's, there are good lines. Uh, I bet if I watched this again, I, or reading the script, I would be even more like, oh, yeah, that was, that was a great moment, too. Uh, the, um, the heartbreaker line in this episode, and maybe one of the biggest in the series history, is uh, when um, the it's moments before the president has formally stepped down, and um, so his, his daughter is missing, and Toby has just had his first children, and the president says, um, "What do you know now that you didn't know before?" And Toby says, "Babies come with hats," and the president responds, "Yes, they also put these." little security things on their ankles so no one could take him from the hospital. I'll tell you, man, don't ever let him take him off. <laughs> he does say that. Um, uh, there's something... So as somebody who is... Uh, you've already um, poked fun at the propensity for episodes to end with a um, Bartlett monologue. Mm-hmm. Something that um, did kind of amuse me on a rewatch um, was... We meet John Goodman's character, who I think is—I think he's—I think he's great in everything, but I think he's great in this role. Um, it did—it cracked me up a little bit when he um, interrupted everybody with a long monologue about Franz Ferdinand ultimately leading to the beginning of World One, yes. because it was so 
Bartlett. <laughs> it was like this this new guy that we've never seen before in this series is about to take on this position. It's like, oh, he's he's supremely qualified because he has uh, this this uh, uncanny, amazing recollection of history that he's put into a, a perfect monologue on the spot. Yeah. It was funny to see him, this new character, have so much in common with uh, with his uh, the president that we've gotten to know and love. Yeah, I was right away. I'm ready to watch the next episode because. John, Good- I don't know if that was part of your trick, but it isn't because you tell me season five isn't going to be nearly as good. It's one of the, for me personally, one of the heartbreakers of this episode because the the the, the writing staff and the certainly the, the cast um, do resolve this storyline, but um, to me it's all it's. It, to me, it feels forever unresolved um, because when they come back, at least for a little while, it feels like such a vastly different series to me. So um, it's an episode that I've always sort of imagined that that um, could be resolved in any number of ways, and and would have been had the had the you know situation been different. There's a it, to me, it's a meta moment when um, when Walken, John Goodman's character. Uh, says to Bartlett, you're relieved, Mr. President. Um, it, the meta moment being, you're, you're relieved, Mr. Sorkin. Um, he was handing the reins of the show to somebody else, uh, just as Bartlett handed the reins of the White House to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, the John Goodman character, I had not... I've never seen him play someone like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a shocker. Uh, when I think John Goodman walks in, you expect him to be a friendly, just lovable man. Because he was as Dan on Roseanne. Yeah. Anything else he's been in, he's usually a good guy. And him, I wanted to hate right away. Yeah. And they're just. And you feel that the staff's the staff's dislike of him. Oh yeah. Which I feel is very realistic. That there's noble moment of of valor and patriotism, but the. The, the actors don't throw away that, hey, they, this guy's, they, they probably hate this guy's gut. They hate everything this guy stands for in a political sense. And I like that they don't, they don't throw that away in this moment. We kind of feel their seething and their mistrust. Yeah. Do you think, why couldn't Bartlett have done, Bartlett or Bartlett? Sorry, uh, putting <laughs> the wrong accent in some uh, Bar- Bartlett. Bartlett. <laughs> yeah. No, but why couldn't President Bartlett have just said, look, Leo, I trust you. You make all of these decisions. We don't have to deal with this whole twenty. Because that's what I feel would actually happen. Are we like? I mean, are we concerned with like spoilers on this podcast? No. Is that if you're listening to this, you should probably already have watched everything. All right. Because well, you're just skipping ahead to season. I'm gonna four like, to begin. With. I'm gonna really need you to watch uh, the the entirety of the West Wing, or at least these four, first four seasons. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you got this far um, in the first season. I guess you wouldn't. I guess you didn't. Um, it's like something happens though. He, uh, th- so uh, this this fictional president um, suffers from multiple sclerosis. Okay. And he, we, we come to learn that he knew this during his um, campaign and didn't disclose it to the public. Whoa. And so people would go crazy on that right now. Right, right. Well, I don't. People don't go crazy about. There's people don't go crazy on ever. If they had had social media on like back then, though, this West Wing would be a completely different show if, too. If today's climate and education, people would go crazy about it for a day. And True. then tomorrow we'd hear something about paying off a porn star. We would completely forget about his True. disease. It would, well, um, and I wanted to say this. The vice president stepping down for a sex scandal. Now we would say, okay. Right, right. Um, and it, But in the time of, like you said, the series started in 99, um, the, the MS storyline was close. It felt like a smarter version of the Bill Clinton um, sex scandal uh, because there was angry Congress trying to make hay of this um, this thing that happened and uh, was it a lie was it just a, a lie by omission um, so it always kind of felt like a, a smarter version of that and I, and I mean a s- smarter dramatically because you certainly understood where our heroes were coming from being being um, the president and his wife and Leo. Um, but you also kind of said, no, that, that was wrong. So anyway, there, there was a political price to pay for, um, for this bit of dishonesty with the public. And, uh, specifically there was a, 
um, concern among the staff at some point when the president had a, a, an attack um, and Leo did take things over. And, and Toby takes Leo to account for that, saying, no one elected you. Yeah. So so there was precedent for this. No, no, you're just not going to... You can't just put me in a room and take care of this. Yeah. They, they, they knew if word of that got out, um, it would it would be very, very bad. Yeah. If, I, if I wanted to nitpick... Yeah. Uh, which is probably what we're here to do, right? Sure. I, I think a fair nitpick is if this scenario played out in real life, I find it hard to believe that um, that they wouldn't appoint a new vice president. Right, because the president <laughs> selects the vice president. Does he need approval from the House or... I don't. I don't think so. I, don't, I feel like yeah, it's just the president chooses. I, I, and there's and there's precedent for this, right? Because we've had we've had vice presidents resign, and Ger- Gerald Ford famously wasn't elected to the vice presidency or the presidency right. because Spiro Agnew resigned, Gerald Ford was appointed, then Richard Nixon resigned, and uh, um, Gerald Ford inherited the presidency. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if it requires congressional approval or not. Um, I feel like it would, but. But I'm, not, I, I'm actually not convinced. I, yeah. I don't know. It probably is maybe such a process, though, to go through all of that. And they were like, we need a quick... He needed a quick resolution. Yes. This wasn't solving itself as it seemed in the next hour. And again, this is a thought... Again, it's a real nitpick. It's a, it's a thought that's occurred to me because I've watched this episode countless times. I think the, I think the show does a nice job of... That's right, ramp, ramping, up the, ramping up the urgency. Even the... The act breaks, so to speak, when they're coming back from commercial, it was stamp on the screen, you know, hour, hour two, yes. hour five, um, so that you're just uh, living with this horror of a day. That these, not even these parents, right? They're it, this episode, they become parents. Yes, um, and he doesn't get while he is emotional. I feel someone would be a little bit more emotional if their daughter was kidnapped, but maybe being the president, he's just keeping that sort of thicker exterior they're all they're all superheroes in this show okay. like they're they're from their vocabulary to their choices to their and I think in this case stoicism like he never I mean the the closest we see to his freak out is in the, in the moment before uh, Leo tells him to gather the cabinet is when, when he doesn't remember a few details from the room he was just in. And that panics him so much because he's... Uh, Jed Bartlett is a Nobel Prize winning economist. He's, he's got a supernatural intelligence. President Bartlett? Yes. I, I find that shocking that... Uh, I'm not like shocked, I guess, but watching the episode before... They almost did some things that make him sound a little bumbling. Like he was like, "Oh, I've got this commencement uh, gown on, but oh, I can't reach my my uh, my speech that I wrote on napkins." Yeah, this is what uh, t- uh, Toby refers to in, in, in a couple points in the series: "Is are you going to get the president, or are you going to get Uncle Fluffy?" Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Uncle Fluffy is the um, kind kind of bubbling, of aw shucks dad um, that that uh, he also can be. That's a, a hat yeah. that he wears. Um, and Toby takes him to task with for if he ever uses it to hide how smart he is because no one likes the smartest kid in class, he says at some point. Yeah. Um, but no, you're right. That's a, that's a, it's a good observation because it is kind of the two sides of the, of the character for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I liked also seeing the Secret Service people how they are for uh, the president's daughter and how they are in the club looking as though they are actual people in the club. Yeah. I've wondered myself, like, how do, you know, I guess even Trump's children or, or the Obama daughters, like, how did they go out and just do things normally and have no one know? But it was interesting to know, like, oh, there are these people undercover. Yeah. That's one thing about the I I assume that that's true and how it goes. Like there there's a lot of um, the the West Wing writing staff was filled with a lot of um, former politicos and White House people. Yeah, Pe- Peggy Noonan um, consulted on the West Wing. Eli Addy, who was one of Al Gore's um, speechwriters, was on the writing staff. So 
most of these things are lifted from reality to the point that when the West Wing gets one wrong, I'm so upset by it because it's like I I rely on you, West Wing, to teach me how things really go. Is there something they got really wrong that disappoints you? Um, nothing comes to mind in this episode. No, just over the course of the show. Uh, one that I remember, and it's the second time I've read the, the episode, uh, Mr. Willis of Ohio, um, the name of that episode comes from um, that a um, female see now I'm going to get it backwards in my head Um, a female congresswoman uh, has passed away and her husband is filling the seat uh, until they can have the special election to replace her and if I have the details right on this um, in the show they that, that occurred in the Senate and that's would be like highly unconstitutional in real life, but it, there is precedent for it in the House of Representatives. Got it. So they just got it backwards, and it's one of those that. And, but with all those staff it, that, it, on this show, and it's a and it's a and it's a meaningless mistake. It's not like it, it's not like one of those where they. Uh, well, I'm going to bend reality right. here for drama's sake. It was it's just like a miss. Oh, so and, you, you know, don't think they were just like. You know what? The audience isn't that smart. Plus, like, like, let's just do it like this. We already I, wrote it in. I just mean there's no benefit to make it a senator versus a cop. Okay. Everything about the plot would stay the same. Yeah. And so it's it's not uh, it's 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 not like you know I saw online. Like, I'm not sure they got the precise details right for how you would invoke the 25th Amendment. Like, yeah. are there additional steps that you have to go through? And it's like, well, it's still a television drama. Yeah. Um, you don't have to show me every bit of bureaucratic red tape. But That's when right. but when, but when, when you miss something that wouldn't otherwise change the, um, the, the drama or the narrative itself, I'm like, oh, why don't you get... Get it right, please. I, yeah. I I lean on this too heavily for my for my actual knowledge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, that's how. If I started watching it, I would get my information from that. It'd be over my head though. I'd miss I'd miss something like you've called out. But I probably, have, I probably got it wrong just now. No, <laughs> no. You're one of the you're one of the smart viewers. Uh, I would say I would ask often people. Well, first off. Anything about this episode we haven't called out or any character that you like to delve into that you love? Uh, I'm going to, um, I'll do, uh, lines. Yeah. Lines I love from the episode. Yeah. I, I can't wait to hear each of them and you have them memorized. Um, yeah, yeah. These are not, I know you, you all listening to this think he's looking at his phone and he's going to read off some lines. He's not. He he is just looking at the mic, looking at me, and that's it. No, I and and most of these most of these I remembered. Um, it looked like it's been, ba- you know babies come with hats. Um, there's certain, don't don't ever let them take them off. Uh, there's certain lines that have stuck with me forever. There are some that I was reminded of during this recent rewatch. I love when Tay Diggs says to um, Zoe's new boyfriend, "You are the key witness to the end of the world." Um, it's his not unaggressive way of telling him uh, he, he's been drugged as well. It's his not subtle way of saying no. No one's letting you die tonight because uh, you're too you're too crucial in this in this um, you know act of terror and getting to the result of it. That is something. As someone watching, I didn't know if this guy she was dating was in on this, and we don't and we don't know. Yeah, yeah, and we we and I think that's well done because they seeded for us that he would want her. Um, he wanted her to take ecstasy and then we're revealed somewhat quickly in that same scene that that's not ecstasy that he's on it's something else yes. and so we're le- led to wonder um, was this his doing was this just a, a bad drug dealer that he was with what you know was it a plot was it oh my gosh in the whole episode the debate between um, Nancy and Fitz uh, the two security advisors Nancy McNally um, and, and, and Fitz like it, is this is this an organized act of terror from a hostile nation? Yeah. Or, or are we going to find her? I think uh, Nancy says in the in the back of an you know, yes. auto repair shop. She's like, this may not be the 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 
plot that you think it is. It right. could just be some simple, maybe not simple, but a level of detail that's not it's, what it's, you assume. And so think about this. Um, Aaron Sorkin's written this episode at knowing that he's not going to resolve it. And um, I've heard before um, yeah, accusations that it was the episode was almost throwing the future writers into a difficult place by by throwing them all this stuff and um i just i just have never seen it that way before because to me it just seems like so many wonderful options right we you and i have the expression that we hear as improvisers all the time about jump and figure it out on the way down like he he didn't he didn't back anybody into any corner because Nancy makes great arguments and so does Fitz Wallace. No, he can and, choose and, the and, new writer. He can and, choose whatever they want. Absolutely. Um, and we could have had, you know, we could have had an entire follow-up season with President Walken while we figured this out or they could resolve it quickly right. in the next episode back. There's so many we, amazing choices. We could choices. find out that Zoe had a gun, <laughs> shot, the, shot the Secret Service person and that she's just on the lam. You know, <laughs> you could do you could get the it's limitless possibilities. Um, one um, one hesitation that I had in picking this episode, though I'm glad that you liked it so much, is that it, it's it's a pulse pounder. It feels a little. It, the name of the episode is 25. It feels a little bit like an episode of 24, um, yeah. it, it, which most episodes of The West Wing do not. This is a series that did an entire hour on the census. I um, know. So so episodes like this are. Um, the the exception, not the rule. And like I said before, it always makes me feel like uh, they really earn these moments because they spent so much time slowly but beautifully developing these characters. Uh, rarely, rarely is it about um, who who might die today. That the, the show almost is is never there. So um, it's just it's. Part of the reason that I love this so much is the equity that they've earned in these characters. Oh, I have another piece of trivia. Yeah. Speaking of 24. Oh, I want to hear it. It was the same year in 2003, and I I looked this up in anticipation of the podcast. Um, it was, uh, if not the same week, it was very, very close that on the television series 24, the 25th Amendment was also uh, invoked. Whoa. Yeah, and the plot line was completely different on that series. It was more of a hostile takeover by the vice president and the cabinet who didn't like the decisions that uh, the president was making. So uh, it was a it was it was a big month for the twenty fifth amendment. I'm trying to recall this. Like, I know I don't. I haven't watched season one of 24 in a long time, though. I don't so. think it, it wasn't season one. Okay. okay. Um, then then yeah. That would make sense. And it was one of the President Palmers. I think it was still David Palmer. I think so, too. His brother became president later in that series. But I think think it was... was, um, Actually, I think... This is going to even throw it more off. But I feel like... So, I saw this name on the episode of um, Alan Dale, who actually turns out he he is an actor in the O.C., uh, one of your favorite shows. No, not at all. No, never, but, never seen it. Well, <laughs> season one is great. But he is actually in the cabinet of the West Wing. Oh. So when they ask each cabinet member, like, are you in for this? So he has one line in the episode. But I believe he then plays the vice president on 24. Oh, is that right? I'm pretty sure. But I could also be making this up. There's a lot of um, 24 uh West Wing crossover and is there? I, yeah, yeah. Okay. The and, and it's it's not it, it's it's not the stars, but it's yeah. There's something about the guys that look like they could be Secret Service agents yeah. or look like they could be senators. No one yeah. would even notice him in this episode, except you know an avid OC fan probably. But uh, that was me. There's a um, a nice little um, I think I think it's fair to call it an Easter egg. Um, this episode that's so crucially about the line of succession because he hands over the power of the presidency to um, the Speaker of the House. Um, There is an early West Wing episode where he is, Bartlett is going to give the State of the Union, and so one of the cabinet members, someone in the line of succession, has to stay back and not attend in case the building gets blown up. It's the whole premise of Designated Survivor, the Kiefer Sutherland series. And so there's a nice scene between him and the Secretary of Agriculture um, 
as he's like, I'm sorry, you can't come. Um, there's a beautiful line where he's, he's, he's kind of being folksy, bumbly dad. Yeah. Uh, when he says to the secretary of agriculture, he's giving him advice, you know, yeah, keep this here, make sure you do that. And then he says, um, do you have a best friend? Yes, sir. Is he smarter than you? Yes, sir. Would you trust him with your life? Yes, sir. That's your chief of staff. And he said it and didn't know that Leo was within earshot. Oh. But anyway. Um, Beautiful moment. This this actor, I'm afraid I don't know his name, unfortunately. Um, uh, Secretary of Agriculture? Yes. He appears in the cabinet and is the one. Years later? Yes. In this episode? Yes. And he's the one asking him, you know, Mr. President, my concern is what if you were to give conflicting orders? And I just thought it was a nice, yeah. a nice, uh, I, you can call it an Easter egg or, or just a bit of continuity that one, that he was there, but I think a callback to kind of super fans in this episode that's about the line of succession to show us somebody else within the line of succession. Yeah. I think, I believe it's the only two episodes he's ever appeared in. This what if actor. it's just this man who just is always on hand for <laughs> Secretary of Agriculture? That's right. Either, yeah, exactly. Either that or he's like, yeah, he's like the third grip and they put him on TV sometimes. That's what you would, <laughs> that's what you might. I suspect, but then I feel like with like the actors' union and stuff, it probably no, wouldn't be. No, but it, it's that's a, what you would think is, oh, this guy's just here, so let's have him fill in. Yeah, it's not like that. No, I think it was. I think it was certainly a choice. And like people forget, like, the West Wing was a mega hit. Like the the West Wing won the Emmy oh. for best series. All four, all four of these Aaron Sorkin seasons. So, and I think that's how the series ends up with. Tay, Tay Diggs, uh, you know, su- superstar actors in these tiny, maybe two episode roles because um, a- anybody was thrilled to be a part of this part of the series at this time. I don't time. know that Tay Diggs was that big of a name at Syracuse time. University superstar Tay Diggs <laughs> I mean, chose to... <laughs> I feel like you could even throw out Tay's name to some people today and they wouldn't, they may not be aware of who he is. Now, I've been aware of him since Rent, so uh-huh. I'm not someone that you could you could suggest this for. But we, we, could name, we could name a lot of others, and what, you already what, did. What Mary, Mary Louise Parker is... What can you name something Tay Diggs was from before this? I mean, I'm like, just it's, checking. It's no fair, because you already said Rent. Oh, okay. So you, but like, he most had people a, uh, didn't see the Broadway yeah. production. <laughs> he didn't. He have his, didn't he have his own television series? <sighs> he eventually was in private practice, but that was oh yeah, no, that, great. that was later. And then he was in How Stella Got Her Groove Back before this. So that was his big. That's how I think people got to know oh, who I he was. Can name lots of Tay Diggs things. How Stella Got Her Groove Back, private practice. Well, private right. practice was after this. <laughs> but you're right. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I generally ask people when did the show jump the shark, but I think you're going to say right after this, or would it be when Jimmy Smiths came along and was running, or is that when it got good again? I, I, I don't, I don't purport to speak as an expert on the late series stuff, but, um, for me, the, the, yeah, the, the series was irrevocably changed when, when, um, when its creator left um, after this episode. Uh, like I said, to me, it was in many ways the, a finale of the show. Um, I think a lot of West Wing fans would say that um, there's a storyline later where um, Toby um, defies the president. Um, it has something to do with his brother, who's an astronaut. Um, he commits a of course, so commits, he commits his, you know commits a commits a federal crime in an effort to protect him and the, totally. the yeah and I've heard um, uh, I, um what, sorry what it goes off yeah yeah um, it's it, it it no longer feels like the same show if, if, if um, I'm pausing because I'm forgetting um, Toby's. It's okay. Name. I can edit uh, this out. Uh, thanks. Um, oh my God, he's like my favorite. I'm just blanking. Um, that, I, I've heard Richard Schiff say in interviews how upset he was by it because, it, it, and that's just what happened. You play a character yeah. for a long oh. time. You think they know you know who they are. I heard him say in an interview that he um, he made the actor choice that he was actually lying to protect somebody else because he just couldn't, he couldn't justify the story as, as written. So I think a lot of fans would say, would say that. 
Yeah. Um, and that you alluded to, I think I did kind of like um, in, late in the run when it became about Alan, Alan Alda and Jimmy Smith's um, running against each other. That to me was when it felt like this is a pretty good TV series. It's but it's not. It's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same TV series. Oh, so that so it's not Bartlett running for re-election against Smiths. I thought that would happen in like season four or something. Who does Bartlett run against for re-election? Uh, the the character's name is John Ritchie. Um, okay. Who is no one? It's not a big no. Name. It is. Um, you can I shouldn't have asked. I'm totally no, he, throwing you no, off. No, no, no. And it's okay. I have to look, and you'll edit to make it look like I had it at the uh, <laughs> at the tip of my fingertips. Yeah, it's okay um, to not be the no expert. You're gonna put this on the internet, and I want everybody to. And it's not John Ritchie. It's Robert Ritchie, and he's played by James Brolin. Oh wait, James Brolin. I know. Who is James Brolin? Let's see his here, photo. N- now I am on my phone, people. I wasn't before. Yeah. Uh, he, 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 here he is. is Robert oh, okay. I recognize him. Yeah. Got it. He's a bit of a... Uh, that's a great um, great and runner. In the, that see, already happened or that's going to happen? So the West, the West Wing picks up... The West Wing picks up a year into... Uh, his first... Bartlett's first administration. Okay. So the... Um, by season three, he's running for re-election. Okay. So by the time we see this, he's been re-elected. And that's probably an interesting part, is watching the election. And that's a very... That, that, that's a through line of, of most of the season. So again, would feel a little bit more like a soap opera to you. Got it. I, I feel I know who's going to win now, though. So, um, But hopefully they have some good cliffhangers that keep me on my toes. It, that, there was um, there's, uh, an episode entitled Game On that is about um, the the debate, the crucial debate in the um, his re-election campaign that I heavily consider talk, talking about in All right. this episode. One of my favorites. I think I'm going to go back and watch some of these. I don't know when, because, you know, we've all got things we're doing. Just put the rest of this stuff on hold, and we'll just make this a... A, a West Wing absolutely podcast. Uh, we've talked about every episode though already. We're pretty, pretty much, we pretty much covered them all. Um, so uh, here's a, a, a thought that I wanted to be sure to share before we go. Sure. Uh, I mentioned I, I mentioned my roommate Colin, um, who the, the show will forever make me think of him because we experienced so much of it together at the time. Um, a few years ago, he got married. And uh, I was uh, his officiant in his wedding, so I mar- I married him to uh, his wife, and um, uh, naturally uh, quoted uh, the West Wing in the in the ceremony itself. Um, so it's just that it was uh, th- no- knowing you would ask me about when I was reintroduced to the show. It, um, I, one of the ways I went down in memory lane on that was um, knowing that I began it with him, but. Um, yeah, what an important part of the entirety of our friendship together yeah. uh, th- this this series has been. I wonder how many people have chosen Syracuse based on Aaron Sorkin since you. If that's still a trending trending reason for people to choose the school. I don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, anything else you need to say about the show? I know there's many things you need to say. But yeah, no. I, I mean, You've I gotten a lot like, out on and, this episode. And I, and I don't want it to be a three-hour three-hour episodes. I mean, so. I'm sure someone out there might love it. Uh, but find, find me on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Gertz. You want to talk? Uh, I'll be sure to, uh, have his information <laughs> in the description here. Uh, so Mike, the last thing I ask everyone to do, uh, who is on the program is I ask them to give their 30 second plea for why someone should watch the West Wing. It's kind of a bad idea to do this at the end of the show because if they've listened this much, they either like the show or I guess they're going to try it or I don't yeah. know. But or, what? They're, or they're my grandma. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> yeah. probably, the, that's, that's probably the whole so list. might start moving this to the beginning, but uh, let's hear your 30 second plea on why someone should watch this show. Or at least the first four seasons. Uh, the the West Wing is uh, one of the greatest uh, dramas we've ever had the privilege to watch on television. There was nothing like it before, and I don't think there's been anything like it since. Um, it's uh, ambition in what it accomplished. It's at, at its core. It's a show about 
um, idealism. And uh, Aaron Sorkin himself uh, one time said, I've always believed that it's okay to be alone in a big city if you can find family at work. And uh, this is a show about a group of committed citizens who uh, become a family and feel a sense of duty to uh, make the world better every day. So it's something that you should absolutely watch and that I go back to all the time um, when I feel a little bit down because it does fill you with idealism and uh, a feeling that uh, the little things you do can make things around you uh, a little bit better. For those of you who just felt like you listened to one of Toby's speeches, <laughs> that was actually a Mike Gertz original. Uh, that is all we have today for our Might See TV podcast. We hope you tune in again soon. And uh, Mike's going to end it on his, one of his favorite Aaron Sorkin quotes. Uh, or just from this episode, that hat one is oh, real man. popular. Um, I feel like I used all oh, I used you, all the quotes. One people love um, that one. Uh, all right, I'll do. This is too. Uh, sorry, this is too long, and you might just cut it, or maybe you'll trim it down. Okay, <laughs> probably just fade yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm still talking. Uh, the uh, this is the um, this is the this story. I, I will almost certainly be paraphrasing that I shared in Colin's wedding. Um, this is what Leo says to Josh. Um, he says, um, guy's walking down the street when he falls in a hole, um, and it's too steep and can't find his way out. Um, uh, a priest walks by and says, father, can you help me? I'm down in this hole. The priest says a prayer and keeps walking. Um, the doctor walks by and says, doc, can you help me? I'm down in this hole. The doc writes him a prescription, throws it in the hole and keeps walking. A friend walks by and he says, hey, Joe, can you help me? I'm stuck down here. And Joe jumps in the hole. And our guy says, what are you doing? Now we're both down here. And the friend says, yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. Oh, it's a nice quote. I probably butchered it. No, it was beautiful. (laughs) Thank you, Mike. Thank you for tuning in to our episode of Might See TV. I'm Brian Finley, and you can learn more about us by visiting MightCTV.com. And if you like today's show, please share with your friends on Facebook. Or heck, just tell someone about it in person. We look forward to you joining us next week.